The draft is complete, but the roster necessarily is not. UDFA class is coming in. Who goes to rookie camp? And where does each of the draft picks fit into this roster? We're talking that today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's the day after the NFL draft. I hope you're ready for it. A lot of information to cover here as the new UDFA class comes in. It's been a long weekend. I hope everybody had a safe one. And now we get to look at the future of the Kansas City Chiefs as we get ready. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, where you can still go grab the matrix or the draft guide if you want a little bit more background information on the guys that are in Kansas City. Please check out NFL33.com and RGR Football as well. And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. There is a lot to talk about when we start talking about UDFAs and everybody that the Chiefs brought in over draft weekend. Uh, so let's just dive into it. When you start looking at the UDFA class, there's a couple of names that stand out, and it's not necessarily because they stand out because of their names. It's more of they stand out because they have money. Uh, and mm. they have a linebacker that got $150,000, uh, and they have a corner that got $70,000. It looks like. The linebacker that they signed, uh, Indiana linebacker Cam Jones, $250,000 guaranteed contract. Uh, obviously, he'll make more than that if he makes the team, but $150,000 guaranteed is a sizable chunk for an UDFA. They don't give those out. They don't give out signing bonuses to those guys a lot. So the other one that got a signing bonus uh, was Reese Taylor got $70,000 for a signing bonus. I, uh, Cam Jones had a draftable grade on the board, so I can understand that. And the, somewhat across the league, but definitely in Kansas City, when you hand out a cash contract uh, to a UDFA, that usually means that you have a good chance of making this. Now, this is a linebacker position that they've been retooling and trying to get more athletic for quite a long time. So if, for him to come in and have a chance, he's going to have to show all of his athletic burst that I saw on film. He's a guy that comes uh, downhill very well. He's going to have to play teams. This is generally a group that's going to make this roster only and if because of their special teams play. So Cam Jones, I do feel, has a decent shot, uh, much like Jack Cochran last year, uh, a guy that can work his way onto the roster, especially uh, without Darius Harris's presence right now. I think that's a possibility. Then in terms of Taylor, Taylor's also a guy that was fringe on the board. He didn't quite make mine, but. He was close, and I think the Purdue corner has the ability as well to make uh, the athletic contribution that he has to on special teams. So I think that not only does the pay scale go with what they're thinking, but so does the ability to get in and do something to help the team right away. Well, I think it's interesting as well because right now I think you already have four of the five linebacker spots pretty much set. Uh, You have three starters from last year. You had a guy – uh, this year in free agency that I'm sure is going to be on the roster. So four of those five guys, Jack Cochran was here last year, so that would be five of five. Uh, I don't know that they really keep more than five linebackers, which, you know, that's way down the line, but they haven't kept more than the five linebackers for the past couple of years. So uh, the space on this roster at that position is pretty small. It is. It's going to be about whether it's a, a sixth linebacker, whether the fifth linebacker gets taken over or whether you fill those special teams roles with DBs. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a battle than we've seen in the in the past years. I don't know if it's going to boil down to it once camp starts. We should know here pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks with rookie camp and OTAs. 
Yeah, and when you start out looking at rookie camp, uh, we're still waiting on a lot of the UDFA signs. There could be more that are coming out. Uh, Kansas City had quite a few places to fill uh, with the roster, with the 90-man roster, so that's something to watch. Uh, we still probably are going to get more of those. And you're going to see guys that come in for rookie tryouts as well for minicamp, so that's going to be something to watch over the next couple of days. But it is an important point to point out as well that – Guys like Chris Lodekun and Justin Ross have the ability to actually participate in this year's rookie minicamp because they're just there. They've been here for a year. So mm-hmm. maybe Lodekun is going to be their QB for rookie minicamp. Uh, Justin Ross can go. He can show what he's a- been able to do, uh, you know, how he looks health wise. Uh, and that would be important for him as well. One more name I want to point out, and we can run down the whole list if you prefer, but Fresno State's uh, Nico Remigio, I, I think, is a guy that's shown some kick return, uh, a little bit of, of fire on wide receiver, but a, a guy to watch here in the early going to see how he adapts. Uh, keep his name at the top of your list. And I will run down the list really quick, but uh, just know that there's a possibility that we're missing some because these are not announced by the team yet, so uh, they usually don't do that until later in the week right before rookie minicamp. Uh, you have Tarleton State University O-lineman Blake Haynes, uh, Missouri safety Martez Man- Manuel, uh, Merrimack fullback Tyler Roberts. So there you go. They're bringing in a fullback. I'm sure right. it's a little bit happy. <laughs> uh, UConn TT, Caleb Thomas got a minicamp invite. Uh, let's see. Kansas State, CB, Doe. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Not bad. As well. Uh, Harvard Edge, Truman Jones, looks like he was signed. Fresno State wide receiver Zane Pope was signed. Uh, Merrimack DB Anthony Witherstone was signed. Uh, Southern Utah punter Jake Girardi got a minicamp invite. And I haven't seen a a kicker minicamp invite, so that's something to watch for as well. Uh, They do Mm -hmm. all positions in the minicamp so they can do all the types of practices uh, to see what they have. Minicamp invite for North, or sorry, New Hampshire wide receiver Sean Coyne. Um, Appalachian State O line Anderson Hardy looks like he got a, looks like he's signing with the Chiefs. Marshall Safety Isaiah Norman signed with the Chiefs. Texas Safety Anthony Cook signed with the Chiefs. Indiana, we've already talked about Indiana linebacker Cam Jones. Uh, Tulsa running back Daneric P- Prince. Now, there's a guy that might be able to get into the mix given the state of the running back group. Yeah, that's a big question going into uh, OTAs and and maybe even training camp. We will not know if they're going to re-sign Jarek McKinnon for a while, I would imagine. Uh, Let's see. Jeremy Cooper from Cincinnati got uh, a minicamp invite. Uh, North Carolina State linebacker Isaiah Moore signed with the Chiefs. Uh, minicamp invite for Washburn wide receiver James Letcher, who is also a returner. Uh, minicamp invite for Toledo tight end Jamal Turner. Uh, Grand Valley State O lineman Quinton Barrow signed with the Chiefs. Minicamp invite for University of Gulf. Uh, CB Sereman Harrison Bagayago. Bagayago, Canadian. Bagayago. Okay, there you go. Interesting. Minicamp invite for Louisiana Tech OT Josh Moat. Uh, Tennessee O lineman Jerome Carvin is signing with the Chiefs. So he's rejoining Trey Smith and Wandy Morris. Uh, Fresno State wide receiver Nico Remeggio. Uh, 
signed with the Chiefs. Purdue CB receiver, we've already talked about, signed with the Chiefs. And I think that oh, in Missouri State, wide receiver Ty Scott signed with the Chiefs. So that's a list of the names that we have right now. Uh, again, there could be several more out there that we just have don't have yet. Kansas City will likely release that a little bit later this week, so we will get you that information once we have it. So before we get into going over this year's draft class, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, you need to try the best-tasting protein bar ever. That is Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolates. That's right. It's real dark chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And we've been telling you for years that you could get Built Bars at built.com. Well, now you can also get them at Walmart and Sam's Club. So if you are near Walmart, go to their pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with hip flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank us later. What we need to take a look at is where each of these draft picks falls into their roles at their positions. What are we going to see during OTAs and then clearly leading up to training camp? We should be starting at the top. So Felix Anadike Uzama clearly fits into the rotation right at the top. This is not something that you're waiting for him to come in and learn from, from Karloftis and uh, Amenihu. This is jump into the fire, show me what you have. We're going to concentrate you, I think, on the outside to begin with because they know what they have for guys who can reduce down in Amenahue and Mike Dana and in Karloftis. Uh, maybe you could even see running some pairs with George because I do think the transition here is one of the key points. Uh, we saw George Karloftis spend a lot of time with Frank Clark uh, in this time last year as well as early training camp, uh, and it does take a lot of information transfer right now. But there's no way that I see that that Felix has to be second tier or anything like that. He should be repping right in with the ones. I expect to see that right off the bat come OTAs. I think he's going to be rotating in with the ones. I think a minute he's going to be the starter, but they'll let Felix try to become a starter. Uh, but the reality of that position is, is likely he's going to play 30 to 40% of the snaps to start the year, unless he really takes over that starting wide or sorry, not starting wide receiver, starting D end role. And if he does that, then maybe he's going to get 50 or 60 percent snaps. But I just don't know that I see that year one right off the bat. Uh, but he's got all training camp to compete. And I think that that's really where you want him is he's a guy that's going to be able to come in and still give you a lot of value for what you you got him where you drafted him. It just may not be a starter day one. Yeah, no, I mean, for OTAs, this this pre trial, they're going to let him run with the ones. They need to because they got to get him up to speed. A man who doesn't need that many reps. So while I agree with you, I think he's probably the week one starter. They don't need to see him be with the starting group 80% of the time now. They got to let Felix get in there and show what he can do and try to get adapted. So I hope that that is the, the process that they go through. It's a really unique group. And as much as I'd like to say that you could add some more firepower, I think 
Felix's firepower added to George Karloff is they build it, crush the edge on one side and come around it to the other. The the question for me is going to be alignment on first down. How tight do they play him to the tackle space? And do they leave him a little breathing room? Because I think that's going to be important as a rookie. But he's certainly a guy that's going to be right in the mix. The question for me is, is Rasheed Rice in the same situation? Because I'm not so convinced. No, I agree with you. I think that he's a guy that's really going to struggle to make the starting lineup and and really maybe even be a, a guy that gets a lot of first-string reps right away. That's going to be the interesting thing is how does he pick the offense up? How quickly does he pick it up? If he picks up the offense quickly, then he has a chance to really contribute his first year. But that's the problem with rookies in any read system is they have to be able to play all three positions. And that's really where Sky Moore struggled last year. So while we expect to see Sky Moore to take a big step up, Rasheed Rice may be in, in Sky Moore's position from last year. The other question that you have to ask is, you know, does he whose position is he going to take over? Kadarius Tony is obviously going to be a starter. You would imagine that Sky Moore is going to be a starter and MBS is going to be a starter. So, you know, Rice is more of your X-type wide receiver. He's going to be playing more outside. So, I mean, that's going to be a role that he's going to struggle, I would think, to take over from MBS. But it would be a positive if he had a chance to. It certainly would. And I do think there'll be a rotation, uh, a similar situation where, you know, MVS is is the elder statesman. He can help point things out. The number of reps is not necessarily what you have to focus on for MVS here in OTAs. So I think you want to get him in there, see what Rice can do, where they align him. Expect a lot to be thrown at him right away, meaning all three positions moving around. If if we see him be the motion man, I think that's going to be interesting as well uh, because then they're working to make him the hot route. And I think that's a good way to go because I think it lessens some of the pressure on Sky Moore. Uh, so I'd like to see them wrinkle that into the offense early and then they can evolve it from there. But uh, I think we should also address just before, uh, Wanya Moore should be a guy that comes in and reps right away at the right tackle spot. I don't think that we even know the status of the injury to Lucas Niang right now. So that's one that is completely up in the air to me Depending on Lucas Nian's injury, I have no idea who's going to start uh, here in OTAs uh, with the ones. And maybe they're going to platoon if Lucas is good to go. But that's the one that I'm really waiting to see. Yeah, and obviously, Wanya Morris is going to be your number one uh, when it goes to rookie minicamp later this weekend, uh, which that is actually this coming weekend. So we will have that covered as well. But when you start looking at OTAs, I fully expect that Lucas Dang is going to be their guy, at least at first string, unless Wanya Morris shows out in rookie minicamp and, you know, understands the system, understands what he's supposed to be able to do. And then maybe he pushes Lucas Niang. Niang was healthy enough to be on the roster last year. He didn't really play much, but he did some special teams. So he was healthy enough to do that. So I would imagine at this point he's back enough to where he can – be involved and and be the first string guy. And Wanya Morris is going to have to take the job for him. Uh, and that probably isn't going to be something that I would imagine would change until maybe uh, even training camp, just because when the pads come on is when the alignment really get into it. Yeah, I think that could be the delineating point too. Now, they're not the only guys. What do the rest of the day three selections have in terms of their battle here in OTAs? We'll get to that right after this. When we really take quickly, a look yeah. at day three. Oh, sorry. Nope. I just want to say really quickly, we hope that you all enjoyed our NFL draft coverage. We're going to have a lot more coming over this next week, and we're going to have a lot more coming in the coming weeks. 
when they get into OTAs and we have a lot more information to share, but we also do want to thank our everydayers out there. Uh, you know, we're here every day for you. We will have you covered and we will get you the information that you want to hear. Uh, sorry, go ahead and talk, start talking about the day three guys. I just want to throw that out there. I was just going to say that as a group, normally uh, day three draft picks aren't going to be someone that's, that's heavily in the OTA rotation right away. But I do think there's, there's a chance here for a couple of guys and, and I'll explain why. At the top, um, Shamari Connor is in a situation where there's really only a couple of guys that know the defense very well that could be there. Obviously, the rookie camp is one thing. I'm talking about OTAs when other players are back. Now, Edwards is new. Uh, you obviously have Cook and Reed who are going to be your one and two. The question for me is where does Deion Bush fit in on the defensive side versus Connor. They were very excited to go get Connor. And the fact that they were able to pull that off, uh, when you look at the reaction in the room, in the Chiefs war room, I, I think that tells you a lot about expectations. Just, uh, it was nearly as much excitement as it was when, when Felix was selected. So I do feel like that's going to be one of the battles to watch in terms of new guys coming in, two of them, uh, fighting up against, I think Cook and Reed are established, but they used dime safety so often. I think that's going to be a really interesting battle here right off the get-go. Yeah, it's going to be. And then you have Edwards that's coming in that's new. So you have, like you said, you have two guys that are going to be competing for that spot, for those spots. Uh, and Bush knows the defense. So, uh, But he was more of a core special teams guy. He wasn't playing much defense last year for Kansas City. So uh, his path to the roster really probably is, spe- is still special teams. But it's going to be a lot harder unless they keep five safeties. Because they're going to keep Connor. I can't imagine that they went out and drafted him and they're going to release him. So Connor's probably on the team. And I would imagine Edwards is on the team as well. So Deion Bush could be a guy that's on the outside looking in already. Could be. Let's let's see how it stacks up. Experience goes a long way in, in that particular position. Yep. So let's see how they get to. But then comes BJ Thompson. And he's the big intrigue to me. Because as much as you feel good about where Felix is uh, physically fitting into the league, B.J. Thompson's the the gear shifter here. He's the guy that isn't the typical Spags look. And so I'm really excited to see how they choose to use him early. Uh, Is it just a speed rush outside type position? Are they going to drop him in OTAs, try to get him used to it a little bit? Because I think in the end, he's going to be a guy that comes in as a substitute. Halfway through the year, maybe a little bit farther, when you have some attrition, you have some natural um, season grind that that knocks – an edge or two out of, of a particular ball game. Uh, and maybe he gets an opportunity because I do think reducing a Menahue, even Felix who played inside in college, uh, clearly Dana and George Karloftis allows the edge, the speed edge outside to be manned by the rookie with a lot of power inside. I like that concept. Yeah, I know. I think Kansas is going to like that concept. They went with that con- that type of concept last year a lot and reduced you know, you, you saw Frank Clark go inside. You saw, you know, Carl Loftus go inside. You saw Dunlap go inside at times. I do think that that's something that they're going to be using. I think that they continue are going to continue that going forward. And it is going to be interesting to see what he's able to bring because speed rush off the edge is not something that they've had. It's a guy with bend, a guy to get around that corner. Uh, that's going to be something to watch, especially when you start getting into the season playing teams like Cincinnati who have – uh, a very familiar left tackle that struggles with that speed rush. Hmm. Yes. Amazing. Uh, could that have been a calculated maneuver? Uh, possibly. Uh, and then we get to Keandre Coburn. 
who right now, if you take a look at the depth chart, you see a pretty good path to getting playing time for Counter Coburn right now. Given how much this team rotates the defensive tackle group, I do like his his potential. You have Nadia at the starter position. You have Turk Warden, but he's coming off of an injury. Uh, Byron Cowart, uh, Danny's in there, but never got elevated. Uh, Daniel Wise, uh, Rock Chalk, is still on the roster, but I don't know that you're seeing him getting a whole lot of playing time. I think the youth and the vitality that Keandre Coburn brings is somebody that can jump in and get into that rotation in OTAs. I don't know if that survives in training camp, but in OTAs in particular, I expect to see Keandre Coburn coming off uh, and working in with Turk in particular, but maybe even in like he was so excited to do next to Chris Jones. Well, and I will say this, if there was a day two pick that I would think has a sneaky chance of making a day one starter, and I mean day one as in day one of the season, I would say it could be Coburn. Just because you don't know what the depth that Kansas City has right now. You know what you have in Naughty, and Naughty doesn't give you anything in pass rush. Uh, he can be good against the run, but he doesn't give you anything in, really in pass rush. Uh, you have a guy in Morton who did really well for Kansas City, but like you said, he's coming off an injury, and an ACL could really cause some issues with explosion, and that's going to cost him uh, playing time if he's not able to be as explosive as he was in, uh, in last year. So to me, that's a sneaky one that could possibly be a starter for the beginning of the season if he can show that he understands what his responsibilities are and he can show that he has the right leverage and is able to be uh, you know, disruptive in the middle of the field like or in the middle with Chris Jones. Absolutely. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that Jamari Connors here, and Jamari can be that safety and, and I do prefer him there. He can also drop in the nickel. And so you just you're, you're probably going to slap the DB title on him as we get into training camp, but Nick Jones competition I think is Nazi Johnson overall. So it's going to be more about the special teams. It's going to be about understanding where you need to be as the guy that fills in should someone have to take a rep off. Uh, you know, somebody gets dinged up in a ball game, has to come out for a little bit. What can you do to help this team? So I, I see Nick Jones as one of the more uphill battles of this draft class, but he's still in the mix, that's for sure, especially given how young this group is at cornerback. Yeah, no, he has an opportunity to make the team. I would say you're right. I think his obviously his role is likely to be special teams, and that's how he's going to make the roster – if he doesn't make the roster, I still think that he's going to be a guy that they try to bring back on the practice squad. Uh, but as a seventh round pick, you know, you are going to be up against, you know, four starting guys that are four guys that, you know, Kansas City is very comfortable with. You have Bazzi Johnson from last year as well, who played a pretty good special teams role for them and did well in it. So it's a question, can he push Nazi Johnson or can he push, you know, the need for another player and another position to take over some of the special team reps. That's really where he's going to make his bread and butter, and that's his biggest chance to make this roster. I agree. We'd like to know what you think. Leave your comments here on YouTube and give us the reviews on Spotify and on Apple. We're going to hear more about them as the week goes on, and we'll dig into these prospects, uh, both drafted and unsigned or I'm sorry, undrafted, two signed, uh, that are going to be in Kansas City for rookie camp this coming weekend. Yes, it starts right away. We'll have it all for you this week. Make sure you remember we are here five days a week, and that doesn't change just because there's a new draft class. So get subbed now. Make sure you like and sub over on YouTube as well so you can see what's going on. Thanks for your time and your patience. Have a great week. We'll talk to you tomorrow.